This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Canna Business on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is John Barquette. Hello, and welcome back to Canna Business, a look at the marijuana industry. Our special program here on Business Radio on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, John Barquette, and I'd now like to welcome our next guest for a discussion about the marijuana regulatory landscape. John Hudak is a senior fellow in governance studies at the Brookings Institute, and Seth Goldberg is a partner at Dwayne Morris, a law firm with a cannabis practice. John, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And Seth, thanks for being here today. Thank you. John, I want to start with you. Lots of states are changing their laws around marijuana. Steve alluded to this in the last segment. Um, Tell us the different ways that states are changing their laws and and what it means in terms of the regulation of this industry. Well, the first major division between the states is uh, those states that have opted to adjust their laws, reform their laws for adult-use cannabis, that is, allowing a system in which anyone over the age of 21 can have uh, legal access to the product, and states that have reformed their laws for medical cannabis. Now, there's overlap between those states, states that have done both, but that's really the the first division uh, in terms of reform. From there, the systems can vary uh, quite widely. So, for instance, in adult-use cannabis, what's sometimes called recreational cannabis, you see a system like Vermont with, and Washington, D.C. right now at least, uh, that has no commercial market uh, but can allow, allows home grows, uh, homegrown marijuana. There is a cap on the number of plants that an individual can have. And then in nine other states, you have uh, fully commercialized systems uh, like you see on TV in, in Denver or in Seattle or San Francisco. Uh, within the medical market, uh, the variation in the types of programs that you have are tremendous. Some allow very narrow uh, types of products to be sold. Uh, others allow uh, a, an enormous range of types of products for different uh, maladies, different illnesses, different conditions that an individual have uh, can have that makes them a qualifying patient, that is, someone who is able to have access to that system. Can I ask you then about how, how do companies or even home growers how do they access um, the supply, the seeds, or the product if if only selling it is legal but but maybe growing it isn't? You know, in some states, a lot of uh, growers will uh, not use seeds necessarily. They'll use what are called clones that are clippings from existing plants, uh, and that creates uh, not just an ongoing supply chain, uh, but it also creates a Uh, means of isolating different strains of cannabis. And so for your listeners who are unfamiliar, uh, cannabis comes in a variety of strains and they have different names, some of them sort of goofy names, some of them uh, strain names that have been sort of historic um, and ones that are are quite popular. Uh, And there is a real interest in making sure that the genetic profile of those individual strains remains constant so that the consumer uh, knows what they're getting when they ask for a product that is that individual uh, strain. Uh, 
from a seed perspective, it is an interesting question. I, I've I've heard it described that uh, in states and for growers who aren't using clones, you have a sort of immaculate conception that somehow, uh, even if seeds are deemed illegal uh, and the transport of seeds is not deemed legal, uh, then uh, somehow cannabis starts growing. But the reality is in states, um, there are seeds available for purchase um, and actually an apparatus in several states uh, with regard to how to get those systems going. Seth Goldberg is in the studio here shaking his head at me. Seth, you want to weigh in here on the supply chain and how yeah, it all works? Sure. I mean, just on that point, a lot of the state's regulations have a window of opportunity when they're going to allow uh, license holders to become operational. They do have the idea that they can transport into the state clones or seeds. And so it's not necessarily immaculate conception. It happens uh, by way of state regulation sometimes. John, can I ask you about banks and capital going towards these industries? How are the banks currently regulated in the marijuana industry? Well, there's really uh, two questions there. One is, is capital flowing to businesses? And in terms of uh, private capital, uh, the industry is, is doing quite well. There, It is a reflection, I think, not just of the individual social taboos being broken down, but also the commercial taboos broken down. That is, there are a lot of people who see opportunity in this industry, a lot of people who want to see it grow, and a lot of people who are investing in it. From a banking perspective, uh, there is a really serious public policy problem in the United States right now, and that is that states are being either um, explicitly or, or oftentimes tacitly allowed to develop these systems. Uh, but there is no legitimate federal solution to a basic reality on the ground, and that is that state-regulated um, businesses are operating uh, and banks are having a, a questionable internal conversation about whether they can serve these this industry, given that cannabis is still a Schedule I substance deemed illegal by the federal government. Now, that said, a lot of businesses are finding banks that are willing to work with them. They have to pay enormous amounts of fees just to do business with a bank to have even a basic checking account. Uh, but uh, the problem exists because federal regulators in the United States Congress has not opted to address the banking issue in a serious way. Um, Seth, I want to ask you, uh, first introduce yourself and the, the work, uh, your cannabis practice at your firm, and then maybe respond to what John was saying and talk about some of the practical experiences of your clients in trying to get these businesses to market. Sure. Thanks. Uh, so uh, my name is Seth Goldberg, and I uh, started a cannabis practice at Dwayne Morris, which is uh, an Amlaw 100 firm, and uh, really one of the first firms to take on cannabis from an industry practice standpoint. And we've provided services from all of our traditional practice areas, corporate, regulatory, litigation, taxation, to core cannabis businesses, growers, processors, dispensaries, and a range of ancillary businesses. Um, the banking issue in particular is, is a really tough one. Um, our clients are, you know, I, I, think, I think probably the, the, the biggest impediment is uh, obtaining the financing to have a cannabis business. Um, traditional small business loans aren't available. Traditional uh, financing vehicles aren't available. Most of the capital that's in the markets is private capital, uh, family office money, in, in, individual investors, high net worth 
investors. And as a result, what you get is high interest rates. You get a lot of shared operations. You want you know people who are investing in the space from a private standpoint are looking for either uh, you know high interest rate returns, but more and more you see equity plays. Mm-hmm. People want to share in the operation. They want five percent, ten percent, twenty percent. Um, and that's really a function of this banking challenge. I see. John, I want to go back to you for just a second here. So Seth outlined some of the challenges here, uh, and yet the optimism that's out there right now, it, it, it's really hard to square it with the challenges that we hear about from on the ground. So can you maybe speak to what the momentum is like coming out of Washington right now? And I know that you know last year a farm bill was passed that changed the regulations in some of the state. You had the odd picture of Mitch McConnell up in the Senate sort of talking about uh, supporting Kentucky farmers and hemp and whatnot. Where is that going right now? Uh, So you're right. There's an enormous amount of enthusiasm and uh, a view of opportunity in the cannabis industry throughout the United States. Uh, But there is a uh, logjam in the United States Congress right now. Uh, While the hemp issue has certainly been uh, forcefully divorced from the broader cannabis conversation by uh, Senator McConnell, uh, I think there is this idea out there that at least uh, getting a little bit of movement on anything involving any cannabis plant is a step in the right direction for the broader cannabis industry. But the reality is that Senator McConnell is not a supporter of the legalization of cannabis. He holds a gatekeeper position in the United States Senate as majority leader. And while we're going to see movement on legislation in terms of uh, votes, um, in terms of congressional hearings, because the House House is now controlled by Democrats, and a lot of key uh, leaders and committee chairs in the House are supportive or at least not openly opposed uh, to cannabis reform. That is a uh, bit of important momentum for both the industry and the advocacy community. Uh, I think, too, uh, the idea that if a cannabis reform-related bill lands on the president's desk, uh, he's fairly likely to sign it, given his rhetoric in the past on the issue. Uh, The Senate still remains a stumbling block, not just because Senator McConnell is the majority leader, uh, but because of uh, the uh, cloture rule and the need for 60 votes to get legislation passed. But certainly the current Congress is a, going to be a much more vocal supporter of not just uh, not necessarily reform, but improving conversations around reform than any Congress in this country's history. So that's something. That's something to go on. We're improving the conversation. But Seth Goldberg, if you're advising a client today who says, I've got the next big idea in the cannabis space, um, what are you telling them about the current environment right now? Is it ripe or is it you may have to moderate your expectations? Well, I think um, it's certainly ripe. Uh, but expectations, you, you, you know, you have, to, you have to understand that there are challenges out there. There are, you, you know, th- this regulatory environment is, um, it is challenging. There are, uh, I mean, I think the federal government has really imposed what I refer to when I talk to my clients as a practice of non-enforcement. The regulation is out there. The CSA is out there. Um, Marijuana is still on CSA is the Controlled Substances Act. Okay, 
marijuana is still unlawful, um, but the federal government has really deferred to the states. Uh, and so, you know, our advice is be in the industry, comply with your state's laws, be very aware of what's happening with the federal government, um, and not just not just the DOJ. You've got to look at the FDA. Uh, you now have to look at the USDA with respect to hemp. You have to keep your eye on federal banking regulators, FinCEN, uh, the Treasury Department. All of these things will help inform participants in the cannabis industry where the regulatory environment is going and you know how deep of a commitment do you make to the space. Right now, uh, personally, I'm very bullish on the space, and I think now is the time. Well, I want to ask both of you one last question here, which is around um, people in the industry looking for alternatives to our banking system uh, as a way of financing their work or operating their businesses. And I'm talking specifically about cryptocurrencies. Are we seeing this as a trend? John, I'll go to you first, and then I'll bring it back here to Seth. Yeah, there is definitely an interest and definitely a part of the uh, ancillary industry that would like to use cryptocurrency as an alternative to traditional methods. Um, I do think one of the concerns with that approach uh, is that if you have a federal government that is uh, currently skeptical of cannabis, which it is, uh, and you have a federal government that is currently skeptical of cryptocurrency, which it is, um, merging those together uh, likely compound that skepticism for uh, the feds. And so one of the risks of uh, workarounds uh, is, uh, first, that they're illegal. And I'm not suggesting that's the case here, but that's a concern with any workaround uh, to an existing law or regulatory situation. And the second, in a sort of colloquial way, is that it's just too cute by half. And I think any way that you invite regulators, federal regulators, but state regulators too, uh, to uh, investigate more, uh, to look skeptically at a solution, um, or worse, to find a way to shut it down is not something that you want to necessarily traffic in. And so while those ideas are out there, um, I do think they run the risk of uh, sort of inciting federal regulators to find whatever path they have to uh, nix something like that. Seth, you're nodding in agreement. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Could not agree more. I mean, I think it's it's one of those industries, It there's a lot of skepticism. It's, it's early in that industry. Uh, there have already been some bad actors in that industry. And, you know, certainly from a cannabis business advisor standpoint, I would be advising my clients, see if you can do something other than cryptocurrency as a source of funding. I'm curious if either of you use analogies of other industries when talking with clients is trying to explain to them, you know, where this is today. Um, you know, Seth, what, what do you say? Do you yeah. say, well, let's, we can look at this other industry over here and to get a sense for where we are? I think the two, the two that, that I use, uh, are alcohol coming out of prohibition okay. and the dot-com industry, okay. uh, especially the dot-com. I mean, right now you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of proliferation in terms of ancillary businesses, uh, different ideas, small businesses, startups. It's a startup industry. Um, and valuations are very high. And people are 
know, they're, they're sort of leery. They're kind of waiting. Is this going, you know, are these valuations going to last? Is the performance going to continue to grow at this astronomical rate? Uh, so in that, ca- in that sense, it's, it's very dot-com-ish. Give us an example of an ancillary, a, a business that's springing up that's ancillary to the main supply chain that people are talking about. Sure. So there are all kinds of software developers that are being used. Uh, one of the one of the softwares that's sort of key to the whole operation is something called seed to sale software. Okay. It tracks, literally tracks a seed from when it's first planted in the pot at a cultivation all the way to the product that's being sold in the dispensary because the states have to regulate and they want to regulate everything from seed to sale Got it. for tax purposes, for inventory purposes, for health care uh, you know, there has to be a way to determine or to uh, track where where the the cannabis is being you know, grown and sold and purchased. And you mentioned the alcohol coming out of prohibition as well, right? I mean, I think I think you know naturally because of the regulatory environment, you're you've got uh, a lot of um, a lot of similarities between how the federal government looked at alcohol. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's sort of a lot of grassroots movement. There's a lot of lobbying to get the cannabis market both not just legitimized from a regulatory standpoint, but from a consumer standpoint. And there's a ton of growth. Imagine if you were Anheuser-Busch in, at that moment uh, between you know, prohibition and commercialization or the removal of prohibition – uh, that's where a lot of companies are situated today. They've got a massive amount of inventory. They've got a massive amount of capital. If prohibition and cannabis ended tomorrow, companies would be you know, making a lot more money, and they're already making a ton of money. Right. So it's just sort of a matter of skating the, where the puck is going right now. Exactly. What everyone's doing. John Hudak, Seth Goldberg, thank you very much for joining the show today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm John Barquette, and you're listening to Canna Business, a look at the marijuana industry here on Sirius XM 132. Like us us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sirius XM Business Radio, and follow us on Twitter at BizRadio132. This is Business Radio. Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.